The Clicksy Podcast with Tim Flagg. Insight, opinion, and advice from the leading practitioners in digital marketing and e-commerce. And when you look at how many sites are using Google Analytics today, it's around about 30 million. So we've gone from 30,000 accounts 10 years ago to 30 million now. This is the ClickZ Podcast. I'm going to be talking to Brian Clifton about the early days of Google Analytics, as well as what he thinks will be the most exciting trends in 2016, including diving into data-driven attribution. Before we get started, a quick word about the report. As a marketing practitioner, I know how difficult it is to make sure you are up to date on the latest trends in digital marketing. If you want to read one comprehensive and in-depth report filled with insights from expert practitioners, then check out the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends 2016 report. Bringing together the expertise of 40 leading practitioners and industry commentators, the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends 2016 report is the comprehensive guide to the digital marketing and e-commerce trends that you need to know about for the year ahead. If there's one report you read this month, make sure it is the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends report. Visit clickz.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report to download the full report for free. That's clickz.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report. Welcome, Brian Clifton. Brian is a measurement strategist, advisor, a renowned practitioner of performance optimization using Google Analytics. Recognized internationally as a Google Analytics expert, his best-selling books have been translated many times. And as Google's first head of web analytics for Europe, Brian built the pan-European team of product specialists. Brian is a guest lecturer at University College London. His latest book, Successful Analytics, Gain Business Insights with Google Analytics, was launched in January 2015. So without further ado, I'd now like to introduce you to Brian. Uh, and Brian, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about you? Um, what's your story? How did you get into marketing and what is your area of expertise? Well, my background is science. I, I did a PhD at University of Bristol in, in chemistry many uh, years ago. Um, so I'm very interested in data and scientific methodology. And at that time, uh, just to reveal my age, it was in the mid sort of 90s. Uh, when the internet was just really sort of coming um, coming of age, if you like, and be, being more visible, um, I was really attracted by how fast uh, and how dynamic uh, online was. Scientific research is typically something that takes decades before you get any results. And of course, online things happen a lot faster, you know, days, weeks, something like that. So I really became excited and sort of fell in love with the technology side of things. Uh, and when I left uh, university, I was I was an entrepreneur. I set up a business uh, where I got involved in helping businesses uh, be online and be more visible online. So that involved web design, web development, and search engine marketing. And I rapidly realised that uh, a big part of justifying my invoice uh, would be to show businesses data, to show improvement, to show things that have happened. Um, so it sort of came full circle where I started to apply scientific principles. Um, to my business uh, and to work principles. So that's how I kind of 
morphed into marketing and, and more and more I've left the sort of uh, science to one side and more interact with marketers these days. That's really interesting because often marketers are saying that there's now not just the art of marketing, but also the science of marketing. Um, so I suppose you've been able to really use that background, that approach um, using a, um, an experimental approach to um, to science and apply that to, to marketing. Uh, and possibly that's, that's sort of what's interested you in the analytics side. Absolutely. And this is one of the things that I, I have been championing, championing for many years now, which is to try and get more scientists um, or, you know, scientific thinking, if you like. It doesn't have to be a scientist. It could be uh, an economist. It could be an engineer. But for people with that type of mindset, that type of thinking kind of ingrained in them into this area of what I call technical marketing. Um, we need that more sort of scientific rigor, hypothesis testing, um, you know, as well as the sort of, you know, quantitative empirical side um, of looking at data and looking at marketing. And so that's, that's something that I've sort of brought to the table from my background, but I'd really love to see more scientists and more engineers and more economists getting into marketing as well. I just, I don't think they even realize that there is a role for them in this, in this field, uh, but absolutely there is. And there's a real dearth of, of that type of um, thinking, if you like, that type of background in this industry. It's a real challenge, I think, for, for marketers is to be able to be much more quantitative when, you know, the, the background that they have doesn't quite fit uh, some of the needs that they must um, must have in 2016 and beyond. I think that's right. I mean, marketing has always been seen by other functions within the business as being uh, the area where it's all about drawing pretty pictures or coming up with nice words. Um, but in the last few years, it's been able to, as a, as a business function, um, demonstrate that we can measure things that happen in marketing now um, and we can determine things like ROI. Digital technology has allowed us to be much more accountable. I think this is probably something which we'll, we'll come on to more. Um, other than that, what, what are the big changes that you've seen in marketing during your career? Well, that's a long period of time. I think the, the big thing that's changed really, I mean, Google Analytics now is 10 years old. It was launched in 2005 and I was uh, privileged to be at Google at that time when we, when we put together the launch. And I think the, the big change really is just this move away from the business models that used to be very much, you know, pay as you go, everything you wanted to use um, online was chargeable, just like, you know, in a bricks and mortar store, if you took something out of the store, you paid for it. Um, the big change really is just this, you know, the freemium model that's out there now where pretty much people expect the products, the online products to be free um, and easy to use and, and accessible and online, you know, 24-7. Um, so that's been a big change, free products and, and very good free products. So one of the things I like about Google, and I am a, a Google file, I admit, is the fact that, you know, their free products are not cheap or stripped down versions. They are full-blown um, enterprise class products. Uh, there are paid for versions, of course, when you perhaps use a lot more uh, data processing power, that type of thing. But the actual product itself, Google Analytics I'm thinking of, uh, is still very powerful. So I think that's one of the biggest changes uh, in a long period, uh, you know, I'm talking the last 10 years that we've seen. And more recently, I think the, the big change in, in marketing has been what's called remarketing. Uh, so not just uh, pushing out your message once um, to a visitor that comes to your website, but having the ability to also 
uh, remind that visitor when they're on other different websites, not your own website, when they've moved away and are perhaps considering uh, coming back to you or purchasing from your site, um, the ability to remarket them and show them your ad again. That in the last two years has been a big change and there's been a lot of um, a lot of noise and a lot of success as well, uh, surprisingly for me, but a lot of success um, of being able to remarket to customers. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, a trend, I think, over the last couple of years, that ability to really get that granular information and start to use it to, to retarget and um, to develop things like lookalike audiences uh, based upon those sort of insights. Um, I'm just going to take you back to um, something you said then. You, you mentioned that you were um, in Google at the time when Analytics was launched. Um, could you just take us to that, that that scene and what, were the, what was the vision for Analytics? Yeah, I remember it well. I think it was November the 11th, 2005. I was in Madrid at the time uh, presenting what Google Analytics was to the Google um, Spanish office. Um, at that time, you know, we really... Google really didn't know what was going to happen when we launched because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, all the tools then, certainly all the analytics tools and, and most tools online, were very much you know a paid-for model. Pay as you go. You wanted to use it, you had to pay. Uh, freemium was still um, very new in those days. And, of course, Google launched Google Analytics for free uh, in that time. So we had no expectation, really, of what was going to happen. Of course, we, we knew... Uh, a free product is going to be very attractive and that's going to reduce the barrier to adoption. But we weren't quite knowing what to expect. And at that time, we did an estimation of the size of the industry. So we we looked at all of the providers out there and there was you know probably two dozen different analytics providers at that time. And we did an estimated guess in terms of uh, how many accounts, how many users, how many websites were using an analytics tool at that time? And it was about 30,000. That was the number we came up with. Uh, and we were able to come up with that because, of course, if you look at the source code of a page, you can tell if there's any tracking code there. So it, it's quite easy to scan uh, the internet and do that. And, of course, Google does that all the time. So we had a pretty good estimate. And then literally within the first week of opening the doors, uh, to Google Analytics, uh, which was free, we had within seven days 100,000 new signups, new accounts. Wow. So within a week, you have three times, we've grown the industry three times. And, and that was amazing in, in that we'd obviously realized there was something out there that, where analytics was really needed, but also a little bit scary in that we couldn't actually cope uh, with the demand at the time. So imagine in that first week, we've tripled the size of the industry, amazing numbers. We actually had to stop and shut down new signups. The service was still running for those 100,000, but we couldn't allow any more uh, signups. We literally didn't have the machines. And, and when we're talking about machines at Google, we're not just talking about buying another 50 or 100 uh, processors or, or uh, computers. We're talking about tens of thousands of machines being required. So that's not something you can do overnight. So we actually closed down on the sign-up for the best part of 12 months, which was a bit embarrassing. I, you know, I had some difficult times with the press uh, at that time. Uh, but then when we reopened pretty much a year later, again, the adoption was enormous. And when you look at how many sites are using Google Analytics today, it's around about 30 million. So we've gone from 30,000 accounts 10 years ago to 30 million now. So that's a, a sort of scale of where we are uh, with Google Analytics. Of course, other providers are out there and they've grown as well, but Google Analytics really dominates the market now. That's an incredible insight. Thank you for sharing that. It really makes you think 
what was life like before Google Analytics and before Google? And it's fascinating to think that that's actually not that long ago. Um, we take all of those tools so much for granted now as marketers. So thank you for sharing that story with us. You mentioned one of the challenges you had earlier on was the um, physical hardware, being able to um, warehouse that data and process that data. Is that still a challenge? No, I mean, Google fixed that. I think, you know, that was embarrassing, certainly if you were you know, press-facing like I was at that time. Um, Google never wants to run out of processing power, uh, power. That's just not what they want to do. I mean, they are a data uh, company at the end of the day. So I think that was a watershed for the founders. I mean, you know, Larry Page himself was very interested in the Google Analytics project. In the early days, he was very much uh, involved in it. Um, and since then, really, um, the capacity has ramped up. And, you know, I can't give away the sort of numbers, but we are talking millions of computers uh, that are involved now um, in Google data centers. Not, I think it's the biggest processing uh, power anywhere in the world. And, and that includes, you know, some of the national security agencies as well. Absolutely fascinating. And um, I, I do hope that Google um, continues to be able to provide that service. In terms of the, the trends then, just coming a bit more up to date, what are the trends that you've seen in this last year in 2015? Maybe some were expected or some which are unexpected? Well, I think not just 2015, but maybe a little bit longer, maybe 2014 as well. It is really the impact of uh, remarketing. Um, that's been around for a while in AdWords um, and DoubleClick and things like that. But what has happened in Google Analytics is now you can define your remarketing segments in much more detail. So you can say, okay, people from this particular country who have viewed these particular pages and have perhaps added something to the cart, but then bailed out and looked at special offer X and maybe looked at special offer Y, you know, da 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 da, da. lots of different areas in the way that you define a segment of visitors. And then you can say, okay, for this profile of visitors, for this segment, go remarket it to them. So it's not just that they came to your website and left or came to your website and didn't convert and left. Now the segmentation is, is very, very powerful. I mean, it's always been powerful in Google Analytics, but it's now been passed on, if you like, and integrated uh, with the advertising uh, networks of AdWords and, and DoubleClick. So that's been a big sort of change of the last one or two years. I actually was very skeptical in the beginning that it would work. And the reason being, technically, it, it's not a problem. But the reason being, if you think about someone like Edward Snowden, and what he's revealed about privacy and what goes on uh, online. Um, the way that this technology works, remarketing, is you have to share third-party cookies. Now, a third-party cookie is just a cookie that is set uh, when you visit a website, it's set on your browser, but that information is shared not only between the website setting the cookie, but other websites that Google determines. So third-party tracking, sharing your information, even if it's anonymous, around the web to sites that you have no relationship with as an individual. I just thought in the wake of Snowden that that wouldn't work. I thought people would block third-party cookies and say, no, no, we don't want any of that type of tracking. And of course, if you block third-party cookies, the technique doesn't work. Uh, it turns out that I was wrong on that and, and that skepticism uh, hasn't sort of borne out and actually people are still happy to use third-party cookies. That's right. And I know what you mean. There was the beginning of the year, there was a lot of talk about the increase in ad blockers. So looking forward to 2016 now, could you tell me what are the trends that you are most excited about and why? So the thing that excites me coming up this year and in the future is attribution modeling. And that's kind of the nerdy scientific side of me uh, speaking there. But 
What attribution modeling does is it allows you to spread the value of a visitor that comes to your website across all the different channels of how they came to the website in the first place. So very few people just come to your website via one channel, email or organic search or whatever, and then do all of their business and then leave. It's typically a visitor comes to your site many times while they're considering price comparison, that type of thing. Perhaps my might come via organic search, via a click on a paid ad, followed by an email, whatever. There could be many journeys before they convert. Now, the sort of traditional way of giving credit for a conversion is to give it to the last click, the one that drove the actual conversion. And the reason why it's been traditional and why it's lasted so long is just because it's the easiest to do. Um, attribution modeling is actually quite uh, complex. But what is uh, coming to the fore now is, you know, a lot of effort has gone into that and the ability to do attribution modeling has become easier. So it's interesting when you when you see this because of course online marketing is a lot uh, harder than just, sorry, is a lot more complex than just uh, the last click. There are, the first click can be very important to you because if you're a small brand, if you don't spend millions on TV or radio or print or billboards, if you don't have that kind of budget, that first lead, that first click through to your website is gold dust. Now, if you're a very large brand, if you're at the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, that first lead is perhaps not so important because you spend billions already on TV ads, so you expect people to come and see if you have you know, product X. So this you know, attribution modeling is very exciting because you really see uh, which parts of marketing are working, but also what the overlaps are. And there's lots of interest there in terms of what is the best overlap, not necessarily to have them overlapping completely. Maybe a slight uh, a tangent there is best. Yeah, absolutely. And could you maybe sort of um, delve into this in a bit more detail? I know a lot of marketers will have heard of attribution and they might have had a, a bit of an understanding of how it could help them prioritize the different channels that they're using. But could you maybe sort of give us a, a bit of a sort of understanding of what the challenges are that they should really be thinking about when they're looking at attribution as well? So the challenge for anyone that's working in this field of attribution is picking the right model. As many of us say in this field, all models are wrong. It's just that some models are less wrong than others. And that's a challenge and it's not something that marketers or boards of directors want to hear um, that it's sort of complicated or fuzzy or there's gray areas. So that's always a challenge and it, it requires experience, it requires expertise and not always the same model will be used under different circumstances. So launching a new product, for example, uh, would be different than perhaps the, the attribution model for an existing product. Um, so there's many challenges there and there's, you know, probably something like, you know, eight or nine different models that you can choose even by default. And then, of course, there's a the customization, adjusting it for your particular business. So this has always been an inherent problem. Which model do you choose? And even the experts uh, can get it wrong. Now, the thing that's sort of uh, becoming more solidified now as a feature, certainly from Google Analytics point of view, is something called data-driven attribution modeling. Now, the idea is you take away the sort of educated guesswork, you take away the human beings, and you let the data uh, do the work for you. So you just throw the machines at the data, do some number crunching, and it works out what the best attribution model is. So in terms of the, the ways in which marketers listening to this might be able to apply 
that in their everyday. Do you think this is something which has become more mainstream? And, and what advice would you have if someone wanted to, to use these attribution models in what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, it sounds great, doesn't it? You let the computers do all the calculations for you, no humans involved, and, and therefore it's, you know, all done for you. In theory, that sounds great. But, you know, just like it's silly to say that you if employ enough trained monkeys, eventually they will produce the entire works of Shakespeare. It's also folly to think that, you know, digital, uh, sorry, data-driven attribution modeling is some kind of panacea. So you're still going to need the smart people. You still need analysts, you know, the scientifically trained, the, you know, the sort of hypothesis building people involved there to do the setup, to point the ship in the right direction, uh, to do the tweaks. Um, otherwise, you know, the computers will go off and come up with all sorts of um, answers that can fit the same problem. It's great that we have this aid, this data-driven attribution modeling, so some computing power is coming up there and coming up with best models, but it will never be you know, a one simple answer, this is the model. It will be, this is the model that fits you know, situation X, or this is the model that fits situation Y, and that could be, as I said, different products, maybe have different types of attribution, uh, different, uh, a, new, a launch of a new product or a different campaign, uh, could have different attribution models. So you still need the people there. And that is really a challenge uh, for marketers is, as we talked about earlier, is having uh, the right kind of support there so that they can make sure that they keep the scientific rigor, that the decisions being made, whether it's by a human being or by a computer, are still scientifically valid. And in terms of if somebody wanted to look into attribution in more detail, could you maybe expand upon um, what the best ways are for people to, to try this out and, and what, at what point do they need to start paying out for a more expensive provider? So the, the one where you can pick models or customize a model, that's all built into Google Analytics and that's available for free. So if you're a Google Analytics user, absolutely go and experiment uh, within that area. It's, it's part of your account already. The key thing for it to work is to make sure that all of your campaigns are tracked correctly. Uh, and you'd be surprised that although that's a relatively simple thing to do, campaign tracking, you'd be surprised how often it either gets missed out or forgotten about or confused and mixed up. Um, so you really have to be very rigorous in your campaign tracking in order for attribution modeling to make sense at all. So first look at your campaign tracking, audit that, make sure it's all being done correctly. Then look at the attribution models, playing around uh, with the different uh, default models that are available and customizing them. Then if you want to go towards the data-driven attribution modeling, as far as uh, Google Analytics is concerned, that's a part of the paid-for product, so Google Analytics Premium. So there is a cost um, if you want to go down that route, which is to, to use the enterprise product, which is premium. Okay, so what would necessitate them needing to make that step up um, for the premium service? Well, premium is, is really all about horsepower. There are other things in there as well. So the nice thing I really like about Google's approach here is that, as I said earlier, it's the free product is not some kind of stripped down or dumbed down version of premium. The free product is almost identical in features um, to the premium product. The difference really, there's a couple of things like contracts and SLAs and things like that that come with, uh, with premium that a lot of the big brands want to have in place. Procurement, for example, just won't deal with a free product uh, in a lot of large organizations. But the, essentially, the main reason we see people adopting premium is sheer data volume. 
there's so much data now. You know, if you have a a busy website, if you collect more than ten thousand, uh, sorry, ten million data hits per month, the terms of service means you have to make that jump. You either have to throttle your data, in other words, don't send too much of it to Google so that you stay within the terms of service, or you have to upgrade. So the main reason for using premium is not really about features, which is what I really like, that's a very clever uh, technique that I've only seen Google actually employ. It's not about features and expanding features, it's really more about horsepower. And if you have that volume of traffic, you're probably spending a lot of money online uh, in terms of digital marketing. And that's when, if you like, the tipping point becomes that you should look at digital, um, sorry, data-driven attribution modeling, as well as your own custom models. And it's about balancing and blending both of those. Great, thank you. That's That's been really useful. And I think some of our audience who are facing some of those challenges will, will find that very helpful. In terms of if they wanted to learn more about attribution, what would your advice be? Where should they go? What should they read or, or, or watch? Well, there's a lot of good content online. I mean, Google now, you know, in the early days when I was there, the online documentation was actually quite poor. And it was uh, actually one of the motivators that drove me to, to write in books. So there's a number of books out there now, not just mine, of course. Um, but, you know, certainly do an Amazon search or wherever uh, and look at some of these books on if it's Google Analytics, attribution it would surely be covered in those books. Um, a lot of online uh, material, Avanash Kaushik, for example, old colleague and friend of mine, well-known in the digital uh, space, uh, he writes a lot about attribution. There's lots of places to read about it, but at the end of the day, to really understand attribution modeling, you have to play with it. You have to try it out and look at the results. Um, so pick a campaign, pick a product within your website, and look at perhaps... Uh, applying the different uh, default models that, that Google Analytics has, and there's something like six or eight of those models that you can pick from and compare and see how the numbers change, and then, of course, play around with a custom model. That's great advice. That's been fascinating to get um, so many insights into how attribution works and what we can do as next steps. If you had to summarize what you think is going to happen in 2016 in, in one phrase, what would that be? I think 2016 for me, I think we're going to start seeing uh, some merging of certainly of technologies, uh, if not actual companies as well. So there's a lot of data out there, but it tends to be in very disparate sources, you know, separated, different logins, different platforms, uh, those type of things. And it's long been a nirvana for, for all marketers and analysts to bring all of this disparate data together. I think that's still some way off. But what I think will happen in 2016 is optimization products. So these tools that do testing and experimentation and manipulate your page, uh, like A-B testing, that type of thing, when visitors come to your site, you know, they tend to operate in a silo. They tend to be separate from products like Google Analytics, uh, different data sets, different management and controls. I think in the future, in the not too distant future, that will all become one data set and one tool. It just kind of makes sense. Uh, I'm only talking about, you know, two products there, testing tool and an analytics tool. If you think about expanding that to all of the disparate data sources, CMS systems, sales databases and things like that, um, that will happen over time. I just don't think it's going to happen in the next 12 months. That kind of one big bucket of data where all of your customer and all of your potential customer information is all in one bucket. 
that's still some, some way away, but the first step will be bringing in these testing and experimental tools together uh, with analytics tools. Well, Brian, it's been fantastic to talk to you this afternoon. And could you let us know what's the best way to find out more about you? Uh, and then we'll say goodbye. The best way is simply go to my website, brianclifton.com. Easy one to remember. And uh, my books are on there if, uh, if you're interested. And I also blog regularly about uh, Google Analytics. And as we said earlier, all things to do with data measurement and optimizing websites. Brian, thanks. It's been great to learn more about data-driven analytics and to hear your stories from the early days of Google. Yeah, I have seen some interesting things while working there, so uh, it's always good to pass that on. People are interested in that. We've heard from just one of our experts today, but if you'd like to get the insight from all 40 of our practitioners and read what the major trends are that they think you need to know about, then download your copy of the ClickSee Intelligence Digital Trends Report now. Visit clickc.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report to download the full report for free now. ClickZ, the original digital business intelligence company founded in 1997, provides best practice advice, trends and insight from leading analysts and practitioners to a global community of more than 100,000 digital marketing and e-commerce professionals. We'll be talking to more of our experts over the next few weeks until then, keep up to date with ClickSee. Thank you for listening and bye for now.